Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Innovative Economy, where we discover the future of money, markets, and payments, and how to thrive with the new disruptive technology. I'm really excited to have our special guest today, Michael Moll, who is the co-founder of Redium App and Enterprise, uh, which is his latest company. Michael has launched three successful startups over the last de decade, and with his expertise in marketing, business, and technology, led him on a path to co-create Redium, an asset-backed blockchain real estate investment marketplace. And with this app, Michael sees tremendous possibility with the power of smart contracts and educating millennials in worldwide real estate investing as a means of creating wealth. Welcome, Michael. Glad you're Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is, Lori, it's an amazing uh, time, amazing time of year. Uh, happy holidays to everyone. And uh, I'm excited to discuss, uh, you know, the two-year journey that Retium has been on, everything we've uh, uncovered and uh, the great, exciting things that are to come. Excellent. Well, happy to have you here. And uh, I'll tell you, your product, I, uh, it's amazing to me. So we have a, a real estate <coughs> funding platform. And uh, what can you tell us a little bit about why you started Redium? So why we started Redium, we, we saw a great uh, pain in the world. Uh, we live now in a world where, you know, 1% of the population owns over 50% of the wealth. Um, and this is country by country, but also globally. And so that gap gets more and more. And it's not that, you know, the average person doesn't want to create wealth. Uh, it's about access, uh, access to that capital or to infrastructure or to opportunities. And then we look at the other side is you see uh, assets, investment vehicles that would love to uh, work with a more diverse group of people, both from geography and from socioeconomic. But what happens is they don't have the infrastructure to engage um, people en masse. Uh, and, and so we saw that as a pain point. But living in Vancouver, we saw the pain point here just in the fact that you know, millennials can't afford to buy their own homes. So everyone's renting and home ownership is one of the great ways of saving or also investing and growing uh, an asset. So <clears throat> all these factors were, were sort of playing around in the back of our mind. And uh, we, we actually won a hackathon that was put on by the BC Securities Commission around how to use emerging technologies like blockchain for compliance. And uh, we put the idea forward to use uh, blockchain for land title registries. So uh, land title registries are, are very paper-based in most places in the world. Um, and transferring a title is very, is very tedious. So, for example, in Kenya or Philippines, to transfer a land title or, you know, uh, you'd have to go to five different government agencies and get stamps for four to five different documents at each of those agencies. So you're looking at about 25 documents um, that you'd have to go through to then get that title transferred. So what this now creates is a very disjointed system with lots of a big paper trail and there's lots of room for errors and also for fraud, right? Especially in, in areas where land is very contentious, et cetera. You know, you can pay someone and your land title can be disappeared or, uh, or any of those things. So it really becomes a very tough thing when really the backbone of a lot of societies is this private 
uh, ownership of, of capital and resources and land. And so we thought, well, if you put it on a blockchain, then what you're able to do is have real-time uh, communication between all the counterparties. Uh, you're going to be able to have one source of truth, a ledger that says, this is who owns what, and here are the transactions that made this list where it is today, right? And so that, that was a very uh, powerful idea. And so we won this hackathon. And as an extension of that, we really were looking at, well, if you can digitize a land title, then that means you can have multiple people on title, but you can also have multiple people going in and out of that title very seamlessly. So then we, we looked at, okay, starting with a land title registry system would not <clears throat> have been the easiest thing just given who we are as individual uh, founders. But uh, my co-founder, Thomas Park, who has sold over half a billion dollars worth of real estate in Vancouver, uh, he saw, well, you know, this can be really used for the multiple ownership crowdfunding side. And that would be a really good hedge in. And, you know, the great story that really connected for him, his mom is 75 years old and she, um, saw him make a million dollars profit for one of his clients uh, flipping condos in Vancouver. And she says, this is, this is amazing. You know, can I get those same returns? Um, and she's like, here's $30,000. And he says, you know, sorry, but $30,000, I really, I can't help you. That's not enough to, you know, put a down payment in Vancouver. You also are 75 years old. The banks would give you a mortgage. She says, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll help you out. Um, I'll get six of my friends together and we'll all put 30,000. That's enough for a down payment. But then, you know, they're all over 75. Banks don't want to give mortgages. If they're all on title, then somebody dies. It's so difficult to transfer and, and, and do that. So, but then he saw with this, this, uh, this idea of using blockchain to, to do that, it would really unlock that. And then we started researching into this and we saw that there's actually what they call a trillion dollars of sleeping capital in the world. Uh, and this is a Deloitte statistic. And so what that means is, now, this is savings that are not being used for any investments. Um, and so actually, American millennials have $500 billion in savings. And this is the averaged at $5,000 per person. And this is not including trust, trust fund kids with over $100,000, right? And so you're starting to see that people do have money. But then we looked into the problem further is that, you know, uh, the things you don't learn in school is you don't learn about food and you don't learn about money, right? And so, and so people are coming into the world. If you go to business school or you have a career or you have a family or if you have some inclination, you'll do it on your own. So we saw that the reason why people were not putting their money to investments or use is that they didn't know how to do it. They didn't have the access. And then the last group or the people who did have the money did see real estate and investments, but they just didn't have the infrastructure to do that. So we saw if we could uh, create a platform that would make it easy for anyone in the world to onboard compliantly, go through, know your customer, uh, look at uh, individual properties or funds and make an investment, track that investment, make dividends, and then have their investment appreciate so they can then sell it in a secondary market. That would unlock that sleeping capital for, uh, and create a lot of wealth and a lot of value. So we, we took all of those together and in uh, the fall of 2017, we started building um and and we got on the road so it's it's been an amazing amazing journey excellent excellent so can somebody really invest in real estate for as low as a hundred dollars so actually right right now um the thing that we really found out was that 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 hundred dollars was what was this, what the challenge has been so far 
mm-hmm. because when you when you look at <clears throat> when you look at uh, private capital formation, uh, when you if you want to pool money from accredited investors, so these are investors who earn at least two hundred thousand a year or have a million in assets, uh, then the paperwork for putting those investors together in a group in a syndicate is 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 quite light. Right. And that means the cost of getting started and setting up is light. But if you want to target the crowd, uh, then there is actually some significant cost you have to go through. Uh, so in Canada, you have to do an offering memorandum. And to do an offering memorandum, you have to actually, it's like a mini prospectus. Like when you go public, it's a huge disclosure document. And <clears throat> so uh, because you're basically doing a public offering uh, as, as a private company. Um, and so Obviously, these rules came in, you know, 1933 Securities Acts protecting against, you know, people going all the way through. So I, I, they're very understandable. But where I elaborate on this is to put together a $50 million crowdfunding deal and to put together a $500,000 single condo crowdfunding deal, the paperwork cost legally is around the same. Yeah. So, so we started seeing that that's actually where the system is broken because like what we'd call nano deals never used to exist but then the the lawyers and the people who do this 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 work they they haven't yet factored into how they can charge for that for those um simpler or not simpler deals because i wouldn't say that they're simpler i think just more a small cap right Right. so if you're paying so imagine to put up a uh you know five to seven hundred thousand dollar deal that's either an individual house individual condo you might be thirty thousand dollars in for the offering memorandum the legal document to sell securities and then another $20,000 max for an audited financial statement of the company, even if it's new or so there are all these, these costs that we saw. So that would then eat into how the percentage that we'd have to charge to it as we were raising the capital. Then the final thing is just the cost of compliance. So when you do then sell these investments uh, in Canada, you have to go through a, an exempt market dealer, which is just a broker dealer in the United States. Now they'll take their their take and their commission, and then they also have a cost per transaction for each trade. And they they so far that's around fifty dollars, right? And okay. and and so when we look at a hundred dollar investment in the Canadian market right now, what our final frontier is automating that compliance checkpoint that costs fifty dollars. Once we've automated that fully, then we will be able to to do a hundred dollar deal uh, in Canada. And everyone in the deal could do $100. Our, our, our current view is uh, we've actually taken our technology and it's being used right now by brokers and issuers in Canada. Uh, we have one of each. And what they're doing is their minimum is $25,000. Okay. Right? So it's slightly higher uh, for the, but they're still, they're crowdfunding real estate. They're doing multifamily in Phoenix uh, and Arizona and, um, and Texas. So there, and then there's another uh, fund that at the minimum is about $5,000. So we're getting there. Um, and it's, it's something that's going to be coming down the line, but we, we just see those fixed costs. I think when, once Retium gets to America, that's when we're going to really be able to bring that down, say to $1,500 and then extend it. The good thing though, is that if you have a, a deal, if, you know, if we actually cut it apart and say, Hey, they're going to be, you know, a hundred spots at a hundred dollars or under a thousand dollars, and then the rest of the spots are at five, ten thousand minimum. It works out because then the investors who invest more 
are actually paying some of the costs for the investors who invest less in as the deal is spread out. But I think it's just at this point, you need to have a, a, a bigger uh, minimum investment uh, just to deal with the, the current infrastructure that is in Canada. Okay. Okay. And so what's the main difference of real estate crowdfunding versus a REIT? Right. So I think uh, the main difference is uh, a REIT is set up as a income trust. Uh, and those income trusts need to pay out, you know, 90% of their rep of their income to the shareholders. Uh, you know, REITs are then this flow through vehicle nicely for tax, but I think they're a bit more opaque. Uh, in terms of the the REIT uh, board, uh, the REIT um, uh, principles are the ones who are are deciding what real estate gets invested in. Whereas with real estate crowdfunding, you can actually pick and choose individual properties, right? And I think when we look at that, the the power of that is people want the pride in ownership, right? The, a REIT is very opaque. It is, it is, it is a great vehicle. And, you know, some REITs are our customer, but I think when we were looking at the popular culture mass adoption of, uh, of, of this technology, uh, really picking, I want to invest in this uh, property in this uh, city, or, and I want to pick that and I want to see that in my portfolio. And then you have that pride of ownership. And you also have that control, right? And it, and it, it's it's it just it just feels more connected as real estate. It's more tangible to to people. So that's where we're looking at that. And then you would be able to, through your micro investments, be able to um, then make your own portfolio. So you'd you'd have a portfolio of twenty properties that you put a hundred, five thousand, ten thousand dollars in, and then made a global portfolio instead of putting all your money in a REIT, even as diversified as they are it wouldn't be as diversified as you could be if you invested individually every single time. Yeah. You have more control over what you're investing in. Exactly. Exactly. And I think one of the things for us, you know, just to get back to the technology, you know, we built a brilliant platform that has a digital title registry built in. It has a uh, investor identity system. Uh, it then has a compliance engine. Uh, it has a blockchain share ledger. And we chose Hyperledger because we wanted the power of blockchain without having to rely on cryptocurrency. So, and I'll explain some more, is that we want the ledger, the one source of truth, immutable, distributed database uh, for keeping the accounting of who's invested in what, how much do they own, who can they sell to, um, who is in the network. All of those rules are in there. And then every other transaction in between. But in terms of payments, the private securities markets are mainly funded by cash, bank wire, check, right? And so those are the main payment methods. And they're also uh, more skeptical of cryptocurrency transactions because of the difficulty of running true KYC and anti-money laundering. And there are a lot of great companies that have created technology to do that. And we've partnered with a few of those, but it's, it's just the view of the of the greater investment community, and at least I would say in Canada, um, is that they're more cautious on that. So we we have two different uh, pieces of the platform. One is fully blockchain, and you can pay with cryptocurrency. But the second part of cryptocurrency that it's an amazing uh, method of payment, right? Moving money globally, having that account that accountability, but because of the fluctuation. 
if a landlord has a $14 million building and they have to, they're raising $14 million and everyone pays in cryptocurrency, yeah. it's not going to be $14 million every day and it might be below. And so it could close at a lower price, right? right. And so that's a, that's a risk. And so what we did was we actually worked with a partner called BlockPal. And what they do is you can pay with any currency you want and they will convert that into the fiat of where the deal is. I see. So, so blockchain wallet in Nigeria or Singapore can do that digital transaction. Here's 10 Bitcoin, but the, yeah, the asset owner gets $60,000. Right. So I think we're just looking at both of those, both of those rules. And I think, I think, again, that is, that is, I think the biggest hindrance to cryptocurrency adoption. And that's why I'm very bullish on stable coins. And I really think in the long run that you're going to most likely have uh, central bank issued stable coins. Yes, I think so. And it's just, you know, it, 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 there is, there is a massive, massive, uh, need for a regulated system. Uh, there's a massive need for maybe not the current system as it stands, but but having a really good fiduciary uh, system that is looking out for individuals. Because you know we've been in the blockchain space uh, for two years now. We've seen multiple companies in Vancouver go under for having you know terrible practices, and and it's just bad for the industry. But you look at banks and and they have an amazing record. I mean, things happen, but they have an amazing record for keeping your money safe, right? And mm-hmm. and yes, they have there's the outside concerns of the economy and inflation and those things, but it's not the same as what's happened in some cryptocurrencies or ICOs or things like that. And so I think as much right. as we want to be libertarian and we want this um, this uh, free the system and free the money and all that. We have to know that it's, this is one of the most important infrastructures in the world, and it's, it's regulated for a very important reason, and right. that actually partnering in and, and, and we're helping the system become better, rather than saying we're going to have a renegade system that runs outside or on top of, is really going to allow for that mass adoption. And that really, for me, comes back to stablecoins, right? Yeah. I have $20 in my wallet today, and I wake up in the morning and it's still $20. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's really going to help a lot of the average people. And we've talked to thousands of people around the world. And that that was pretty much their biggest thing that they that they said about yeah. about having when you're looking at the coins that are not investments. And that's where we came with saying, hey, you know what? Use the technology, hold a token that is an asset backed investment. That way, if it goes up and down, it's tracking an index. It's actually it's going to the market and it can generate income like a really good asset. And so we really see real estate as this amazing thing. And I know, you know, from teaching real estate all around. And so now you have this way to digitally have this portfolio that gives you exposure to one of the greatest wealth generators that's ever been an asset, right? Yeah, that's pretty exciting. So back to your app, let's just say that I'm one of your investors and I take, let's say I have $10,000 and I go through your app and uh, pick out a property that I want to invest in, okay? I put the $10,000 into that property. Now, what do I get? How do I know that I'm received, that I invested in that property? Do I receive a piece of paper? Does my name go on the title? How does that work? Right, so, so for now, the way it works is uh, when you're investing in crowdfunding, you're actually investing in a limited partnership corporation. 
right? So it is a limited partnership corporation and what you're getting is shares. So we actually are using a deal method. You will get a paper share certificate or unit certificate. Uh, and then you will also get uh, your your t- tokens on the ledger. But so you're gonna have your. We don't have them as tokens that, that are like on Ethereum. On Hyperledger, you have we've created assets that are the shares that are on the ledger. So you own ten thousand dollars out of a fifteen million dollar property, right? And so then you get the paper. You're registered on the corporate registry. You're also registered in our IBM Hyperledger blockchain. Um, and then we use you know a, a paper. Um, a paper uh, share certificate, and this is really the core of our technology. A paper share certificate only tells very few stories, right? And we haven't really updated share certificates in in the last you know couple hundred years, right? And so uh, it's amazing. And I gave a presentation. So the share certificate will tell you who owns it and how much they bought it for, and maybe when. But then it doesn't tell you. It doesn't give you any more metadata about the transaction. Right. It doesn't tell you what's the current price of this share. Um, what's the last statement from this company? Who are the directors of this company? Is this share certificate real? How can I tell that it's real? Who can I transfer it to? Like all of those questions. Um, can I look into the offering document that this share certificate was generated from? Whereas with our digital share certificate, you can extrapolate all of those answers to the question I just mentioned from that one digital asset. Right. And that's really powerful. So you can say, okay, you own uh, uh, one share in this company and we can basically query against that share to say, yep, that's belongs to this deal. And here's the, here's the income it generated. Here's who owns it. Here's the transaction receipt. Here's how you paid. Here's who approved it. Here's your ID card. Here's the title registry. Here's all of those things based on one asset digitally. So it's, it's immensely powerful. And then on top of that, when you want to sell that share to someone else, you just have to do one transaction, that share transfers to the next person. And our system also says, is that person allowed to buy this share? Has that person gone through and all of those decisions? This is thousands of dollars saved that can happen in mere seconds, yeah. right? And then once that transaction goes through, the new owner gets access to all of that data instantly. Right. Instead of lawyers going back and forth, counterparties, you know, all of that stuff. So it it really is a very exciting prospect for the future of digital assets and digital investments where you have these systems that that can do so many more things that it used to take 10 people and weeks to months to to coordinate and, and and was never up to date. Now you're going to be able to have a real time ticker and it extends to we can track the share price to the asset price. Right. And so, yeah. so some some of our customers want to have a marketplace that will be based on speculation, like a stock market. But for us, we looked at a secondary market that would be based on the appraised value or the net asset value. So if the price, if the property goes up by 10 percent, your shares go up by 10 percent. And so now when you want to sell in the secondary market, you would sell your shares for either what it's been appraised at. And that appraisal is linked in in the blockchain. You get an appraiser or a group of appraisers or however you want to do the assessment. And they actually write onto the ledger, this house is done. And I am this appraiser with this license and I approve this value. So it's like very transparent as to how it's all happening. Very transparent and very easy to audit. And so so it's really exciting. And I think one of the big things that we found is we, especially being in Canada, which is slow to adopt financial technologies, we kind of leapfrogged ahead. Um, and so we actually started licensing our technology to Canadian 
uh, securities uh, brokers and uh, issuers uh, because they saw the capacity for saving time and money. So when you onboard it, when you onboard a client with know your customer forms, and a lot of these forms are very intensive, you're filling out probably a 14 page PDF of personal information. Uh, They email it to you, then they want your ID, then they may want a bank statement or a second piece to verify address or name. And uh, this takes about an hour and a half to onboard a client that way, because you're calling them to like help them fill out the paperwork, but then you're also calling them to remind them to send you the paperwork if I have 10 clients and I all send them the paperwork and ask for their ID and additional documents, when I wake up in the morning, I don't know if any of those clients has done any work on anything I've asked for. With our system, you digitally fill out this form and you digitally put the stuff in. So every time the sales rep or the broker dealer wants to know where the clients are at, they can see by percent, line by line, what the client has filled out. Wow. So they don't have to make any phone calls. They'll be like, oh, Jackie is stuck at page two. Krista is done. Uh, Michael just needs to do his document. And you know what? Michael, the system already sent Michael a reminder to get his ID. Right? And it just frees up. Where, you know, they're saying it's about 10 hours a week minimum savings. And this 10 hours now allows salespeople to get back to relationships, educating, selling. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing happens during the subscription document process when people are actually signing the investment forms. It's another hour and a half. You know, we added tool tips to educate, oh, what does it mean to be a politically exposed person? What is my net financial assets versus my assets? Like all of those things, instant chat, uh, chat support. So we're reducing the burden, allowing these companies to sell to more investors, to do more deals in a shorter period of time and bring down the cost of operations, which goes back to our main point is what's going to allow them to work with smaller and smaller investors. Because yeah. if they have an autonomous system, automated system, they can now say, hey, you know, I don't just need $25,000 investors. We can do a $100 investor because it doesn't cost us $50 of two admin staff spending two hours to deal with that one customer. Right. So, so we, we had to go into that route to then get back to the main vision, which is bringing down the cost and, and opening it up. And so it's, it's been really great. We, uh, our first customer is going to process about $10 million worth of investments in the next three months through our platform. And then we have one other customer coming after that that might be doing about $45 million, uh, a month through the platform. So it's... Of it's, purchases. Of purchases, of investments. So they're going to be crowdfunding from okay. investors. And the total amount, total amount, total deal amount, first client is $10 million in three months. Second client is a much more aggressive, uh, successful uh, group for real estate. And they're going to do about $45 million a month uh, with an average of $25,000 per investor. So... Wow. It, it's, it's exciting for us. Um, uh, yeah. And, you know, we are still starting at the high end and, you know, we, our motto has been real estate for everyone. But I think one of the, the lessons that we learned very clearly was to follow the Tesla model, which is he started with the Roadster, which was an expensive $200,000 car. But that price yeah. point allowed for the R&D dollars to go in. And then they went lower and lower until they now have the Model 3, which is a everyday man's car at an affordable price 10 years later when all that R&Ds come in. So we have to look at that same strategy as let's look at the customers who will be able to pay us in, in a significant way, but also who are currently incumbents in the market who are already selling. They're not saying, please help me sell my townhouse complex. It's struggling. Right. They're saying we are deals sell out in a week and it takes us two months to collect the paperwork and all the money. 
Yeah. Right. And we're saying we have a system that can just streamline that where you can collect the paperwork and the money in the same week that you're selling. Meaning you could launch a new, you could launch a new deal every week if you have that much demand. So, and, and, and with that, you know, one of the things we were talking about before this, uh, this, uh, this interview was, so the big thing that I see is, so when we go through and, and, and finish this next quarter, we're going to announce and we're going to be excited to talk about how our platform has done this. But when we talk to our customers and we're in there, we're not pitching them on the blockchain. We're not talking to them about protocol layers. Uh, we're talking to them about their pain points and how our technology meets their needs in, in a very layman's, uh, you know, humanized language. And so this is where I think the future of blockchain is going to be invisible, right? You're not going to know that you're using a blockchain unless you need to know, unless you're like, oh, is this really my share certificate? Okay, let me look up the serial number, right? But it's like, you're not going to know that uh, every time we send data between uh, any of the issuers and, and dealer reps, uh, we actually do a blockchain transaction to say, I sent you Michael's passport, right? And we, we write that on the ledger, right? But it's invisible to, to the user as they're going through the, the system. And so I think blockchain is going to be used very, very, very widely. And, and, and so, for example, even when you sell a deal in real estate and you may have 10 sales team across the world selling one uh, um, uh, apartment complex, uh, they are using Excel documents, multi-version Excel documents to, to decide how much has been sold in the deal. They're trying to get the doc every two days or three days, they're trying to combine all the Excels into one document so they can know exactly how much has been sold and by who. Uh, very rudimentary. But what happens is if, you know, with our system, when you say you have a $14 million property or project at a dollar a share, there are only 14 uh, million shares that are created on our Hyperledger blockchain. And so they're each unique assets. So you can't oversell the deal. But then every time a share is pending in transaction closed, you can instantly know how much is left, how much has been sold and who sold it and, and who's participating. So that's a very powerful way to leapfrog from, okay, great, you could just have a CRM to know let's have this system that no one has to trust anybody else's numbers. The yeah. truth is, the truth is in the transaction. Transparent. It's transparent. transparent. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so, it, and so for, again, when we talk to our client, we don't really pitch the blockchain side. We say, your main pain point is that if you have a client in Arizona who just got excited to get part of the deal, they're in for a hundred thousand dollars. They do the paperwork. They send the bank wire. Two days later, you have to tell them, sorry, the deal was full. But I didn't know. It happens fast. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. So, so those are the inefficiencies that are happening. You know, there's lots of stories like that. But again, a blockchain system would never let that happen because then you'd be able to like, oh, sorry, that there's nothing left. There's only twenty five thousand dollars left in that real split second. Okay, great, I can get you in. Or you know, knowing did I qualify or did I not qualify to participate in this deal? You'll know instantly because you'll be able to check a ledger of who's qualified, who's waitlisted, who's whitelisted. Those those type of uh, extensions. But again. In the end, I think really for a lot of blockchain groups, and we talked about this earlier, making yeah. the transition from the early adopters and the tech enthusiasts to become part of the mass market, really we have to transition to popular culture. So we have right. to look to how does Silicon Valley market and communicate technology platforms to the public, right? right. How, do, how do brands engage with really good brand ambassadors? How do they go to the places where people are already having either the pain point or finding solutions and, and share your story and your platforms there. And there, there are lots of groups doing a great job of this, but I think 
the blockchain community was so insulated for a long time because it was very technical and it was very early. But I think, you know, over the next few years, it's, it's really going to be about doing that. And we're looking to IBM and looking at different ways that we can leverage our connection with them to really get our story out in their community and also in the securities and brokerage community uh, as well. Yeah, very good. Well, uh, real quick, I have two questions. So, so your app uses Hyperledger, which is a community blockchain platform. So would that mean that the certificate that I, I purchased, uh, would that be on the Hyperledger so other uh, certificate holders would know who each other are, or is that still private? Yeah, so that's actually a good point. So what Hyperledger has is is something called channels. And so uh, it's actually very smart. So it's built for enterprise. So what will happen is everyone on the network will know exactly how many certificates have been sold. So back to the $14 million uh, property with 14 million share certificates, everyone will be able to, to query the blockchain and say how many certificates. Oh, yeah, 14 million were sold in this deal but only certain users will be allowed to see the metadata of each of those transactions. So for example, the SEC will be able to go in and say, hey, I need to see all of these people because they're in my jurisdiction and we'll be able to open a channel where they can see that information for compliance. And the, the investment firm can see all the information because you invested with them. But you know, share certificate you know, 14 million and share certificate you know, 13 million 999, those two holders will not be able to see each other Unless in our public interface, you'd say, I don't mind being, being disclosed that I'm on this deal. Okay. And then on top of that, we only would say your name. We wouldn't say your amount. I the see. amount that, yeah. you know, we've looked, we've toyed with that is that you gamify it. So it's like, who else is in the deal? Right. right. But, but we're really, really um, cautious of public uh, and private information sharing. And so we've really set it up in a way that the rules on who gets to see your data is based on who you allow individually or who is by law required to see that data. And yeah. so the great example is uh, you look at, uh, IBM did this with shipping, uh, like Port of Sin Singapore, Maersk Shipping or Mazurk, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but what they were doing is imagine a shipping container coming into the harbor, right? It has on it, it has a thousand individual containers with goods in it. And then in each container is like a, another hundred goods. So the port needs to know every ship that comes in, every right. container, and every item is that's in every container, right? So all of those are individual assets, and the port can see that as one transaction. Ship A came through with a thousand containers with you know a million items on, but you who has container number two hundred one with you know all of these uh, flat screens TVs, you only know that the ship came in and that your container things were cleared. Right. But yeah. also, it's, it's, so it's this way that you can have all these transactions sent into individual channels. The last example I'll give you is you have a network of um, vendors who sell produce to the to the market, to supermarkets. You have these wholesalers who represent farmers. And so what happens is everybody knows. I think that my headphones just died. Maybe. Oh, that's good. I can hear you. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Good. So. Uh, so right now, um, one second. Sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now you can hear everything. <laughs> uh, um, uh, so everyone knows that the supermarket bought X amount of broccoli, right? Or knows the supermarket is working with these five vendors to buy broccoli, but 
each vendor has a transaction where they have the total amount paid for each of, even for the same volume is private, right? So again, public right. and private channels. And so that's the really one of the great things that I like about Hyperledger is that, that, that ability to do public, private and have these channels. But on yeah, top of good. that, the, that the, each user is a known user in the system. And that's really important for, for transactions that relate to securities, right? Yeah. I think like there is a big movement in, oh, anonymous, let my money and my activity be anonymous. But I don't, I don't think that really works for the securities uh, industry as it stands. And so, so you really need to, to leverage blockchains that can, can allow people to be like, expose their identity, expose their ownership to the right people at the right time to create value or defend value. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. So it's an opportunity using Hyperledger blockchain technology and uh, doesn't need to be purchased with Bitcoin. It can be purchased with, with dollars. Exactly. Uh, one more question or scenario. So let's say that I run across a seller who would like to do uh, uh, crowdfunding for their property. Uh, so I've heard they have to structure then an LP. Is that correct? Or, or how does that work? How is, what's yeah. the quick rundown on that? On right. So, so you, you have someone who wants to structure their, their house for crowdfunding. So yeah, a limited partnership or a special purpose vehicle would be the best, simplest vehicle to structure. And so they would securitize the, the asset. But I think the biggest thing in that, that's very standard cookie cutter. And the biggest thing is to think about how this asset, what this, what this asset's investment case is, right? Is it a fix and flip renovation? Is it a buy and hold over five years? Is it a land assembly play? Like those type of things. And then really getting down to that, that core, uh, um, I would say, hypothesis and then defending that with numbers and background and et cetera. And so if it does make good business sense, so for example, Japanese groups are buying property in Texas and they're getting a three, 4% return and they're laughing because in Japan they have negative interest rates, right? Oh, yeah, Whereas yeah. like for, for other, um, you know, American uh, groups who would want to do this type of activity, they're saying, no, they're looking at between, you know, eight, 10, 20%, right? Yeah. So it really just depends, you know, who where you're targeting, you uh, where you are, but also who you're, who you're targeting as the investor. But I think that creates a really great opportunity that we're all not looking for the same thing. Some people are saying, hey, I want to buy and hold over 25 years, right? right? And, and so, so the deals make sense. Uh, but I think it's really more just putting yourself in the shoes of uh, who do you want to buy this and how are you going to help them grow their wealth? And I think, you know, there's some great groups in Canada. So, you know, I can mention uh, Western Wealth Capital does a great uh, um, business with that. For multifamily in the United States, and you know they do they do a great buy, hold, renovate, and then sell, um, and they've really created a great name for themselves by doing that. And so I think there's there's a lot of ways for real estate opportunities entrepreneurs to leverage this. I think really it's making sure the deal size works, um, uh, the the investment theory also works, and then the target that you're targeting is 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 palatable to to that. Once you've got those three things together, then you're looking at the legal setup. And then you've got platforms like Retium and there are a few other platforms as well that then will then take really good deals like that. But the, the big thing is it, it comes down to like only 1% of deals make it onto platforms like Retium because it, there's a big, big fiduciary duty on our side to right. make sure that this deal is going to do what it says it does and is going to provide that value because everyone's watching us to say, hey, 
the first deals are going to make or break is industry. Um, and then it goes back to why REITs, because REITs, you know, are safe, they're diversified, they're da 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 or safer in terms of, um, and, and they also maybe have a track record. So, and that's where yeah. we get to as well is that, you know, are the companies that are on our platform and using it as a white label, they have a seven uh, year um, track record in, you know, working with real estate investment, right? And so we saw, hey, let's, let's make a name for this in this industry. Let's make this a long stay industry, not a hype cycle, right? right. And, then, and that's what's gonna do, because you know, in the long run, you know, we're doing this for as a legacy as well to like have, if we can create this infrastructure, not just in Canada, but in the States and then syndicate the globe, then we're gonna go from, we were once a village society, then a town, then a city, then a nation society, which is where we're at now, but we're on to that tipping point of being a planetary society. And you know, blockchains are gonna help that. Uh, and, and that way we can unlock, you know, planetary wealth. But then, you know, I take it even a further step. It's that, you know, once we become an interstellar, you know, society where we're like on Mars and on these asteroid belts, you know, we want to be part of the transactions that happen there, right? Yeah. When people are staking their claim for their plot on Mars, they'll have a retium, <laughs> you know, certificate for their Absolutely. free land. Absolutely. <laughs> or if they're mining an asteroid, they're going to use that to basically say, yep, we, this is ours, we claim it, and this is how we're returning to our investors. So some of the stuff that excites me when I think about what this technology will be able to do. Yeah, well, that is exciting. And uh, you guys have done it. You've created a, a crowdfunding platform for real estate. So congratulations. It sounds like you're doing wonderful things. And uh, it's disruptive. It's going to change the way that we uh, invest in real estate. I, I see it. So thank you, thank you very much. Very much, Michael, for all the information that you've shared with us and being with us today. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you'd like to say to all of our listeners or any offer that you'd like to give them as far as your, your platform? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the big thing we'd like to say is that you know, this really all starts with education. And I know that, Laura, you know that. And uh, what we're looking at is we're really looking in the next year to build a youth app and a youth app that teaches financial literacy and that connects to savings accounts. And so that we can then create the next generation of, you know, wealthy people who have done it from the ground up with an education and a practicum in savings that then leads into investments after that. So a shout out is to any group out there working with youth financial literacy uh, or teachers or parents who want to get involved uh, to email team at retium.com. Uh, get at us on Facebook or on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love you to be a part of it. Uh, and yeah, that's a, that's a big one because, you know, I see that we're so early in this that I look at what Steve Jobs did is, came back to Apple and released the iPod. And he created an entire generation of people who trusted Apple with their digital products and with music. And so when they released the iPhone and then the iPad and everything else, people were just locked and they were hooked and they, they, they created yeah. that. And also it created the time to wait for the technology to really catch up to do all these other great things. So the same thing when we look at this youth app is that right now today we built something that's super future, a blockchain transaction real estate system um, but there's still a lot of baggage from the, from the current infrastructure. But if we look to the world 10 years from now, 15 years from now, kids are going to be digital 
a hundred percent. And not yeah. just the kids, but the, the adults of that time coming into the workforce, they're going to have everything digitized and they're going to be so used to it. And the infrastructure is going to be there. It's going to be mind blowing for us. Yeah. But, and this will all make sense. And it all makes sense. <laughs> and all integrated. And, you know, just even think about there is, you know, a $50 trillion wealth transfer from the baby boomers to, to the young, to younger people over the next 40 years. And so you could imagine you have a grand uncle who's left you, you know, an acreage somewhere and you're coming in to the reading of the will and you just open your phone and say, yeah, just send the title deed here. Yeah, <laughs> it could be that easy, right? That easy, exactly, right. <laughs> well, and then uh, what's the future real estate agent? <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah, we're excited. Um, we, we have some, some partners who are looking at whole ownership as well. Um, and actually using the blockchain system for whole ownership transactions. So we're excited to see them leverage our platform to do that next year as well. Oh, that's exciting. Well, I look forward to hearing more as it, as it develops, because I know it, it, it can only do that from here. So, thank you, so much. <laughs> thank you again for being on the show, Michael. And uh, very happy to have you. Wow, exciting stuff. And um, thank you all listeners for being here and uh, joining us on the Innovative Economy. Thank you so much, Lori. Have a thank good one. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.